What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast. Today, I'm talking with Melanie, my wife, a talented content creator, all about her newest project. As always, I'm Don. Let's go. Okay, alright, thank you everybody for checking in with us on this special bonus episode of the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. As I said, I am Don, and today I am joined by my wonderful wife of six plus years, Melanie. Melanie, how are you today? Don, I am great. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. How's it? How how are we feeling here? You, you haven't done a podcast with me yet. Uh, you've done a few others before, but um, this is our first time talking in this format. How does it feel? Does it feel okay? Do we feel good about what's going on here? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, very comfortable in my own home recording this podcast. Yeah, we're so. sitting down here in our basement. <laughs> just uh, couldn't be simpler for me to walk yeah, downstairs yeah. and be a part of this. So. Absolutely. Ah, yeah, so, I mean, I wanted to have you on here today to kind of talk about what you've got going on, Yes. Um, but really, at the core of this whole thing, we're going to be talking about True Detective Season 1. True Detective is the geek topic of this episode, for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) It's a show we both loved that I think ran on HBO in... 2013 or 14? 2015 through 2019. Now, four seasons, but the first season of 2015. And the only reason why I know that is because I took a really deep dive into this show in the past year. No regrets. It's amazing. And I have IMDb'd it and, again, read many nerdy articles by the uh, some of the production company people and, and went really deep. So, yes, 2015 is when it was released on HBO. Okay, 2015. Yeah, yeah. it's been a little while now. It but has. It holds up. It still does hold <laughs> up. Like, honestly, when people ask me what, just to, like, run down a list of some of my favorite shows, I always have to place this one pretty high. Like, I would definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's an anthology show. There's been two seasons afterwards, but they really don't have anything to do with the first. They're like, each season is its own kind of world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that nothing really comes close to the second season is a little rough. Third season got good again, but yeah. season one is just like that piece of, it's just a piece of art that I feel, like you said, still just stands the test of time and, and. Well, I think part of the reason too why season one was, has kind of a different tone or is so much more successful than seasons two or three, which, you know, we watched them both. I think season three had a lot of good things about it. I think season two was a little bit of a stinker, but, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still, like, not terrible. Vince uh, Vaughn, that was, a bit, that was a rough choice. Yeah, but I think a big part of why season one was so successful is it was, like, the same, for all the episodes, same director, uh, same DP, same production designer, which is basically how a film is run, right? It was basically, they shot it cinematically like an eight-hour eight film. And, yeah. And some of the sequences in there, I mean, especially some of the handheld sequences, which are like some of the best in television that I've ever seen in my life, you can tell that the crew had been working together for a while, right? Sure. That wasn't like, a, hey, we showed up for one episode and then 50% of the people were replaced by the next episode. You're like, wow, this is like a synergistic team of creative professionals yeah very apparent 
for those who haven't seen it, which what rock have you been living under? Because it's an amazing show. It was Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson in the lead roles. And they're basically thrust together as police detectives to solve a murder in Louisiana. Yes, it's been a while r- for me. Rural Louisiana. Okay. Which is where uh, Nick Pizzolatto, the showrunner, creator of the show, writer of the show... Uh, is from that's like his hometown so it's like a little bit of a love letter from what i understand to that to that area right they say create what you know and i guess he knew louisiana really well so that's why it worked out really good yeah i mean those i mean i'm sure we'll talk more about it later but like those outdoor like all the scenery like all the scenic stuff that he shot his outdoor locations and i mean the scouting must have been a fun trip on like river boats and whatnot in the bayou are like the abandoned churches and just like these burned out. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty incredible. You can tell he's like spent a lot of time there. You know, he didn't just spend a day or two there like building a set. No, he for knew. Sure. Yeah, he knew it very well. Yeah, and and just like I'm trying to think back, it's been a while, but the performances I remember in the show were something that really stood out to me. Like I've said before, Matthew McConaughey, I was never he was never on my radar as like <laughs> no. a guy who could. Uh, blow me away with a performance like he's great in anything Richard Linklater makes and then the rest is just like yeah <laughs> pretty bad right 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 so I mean I remember when the show was being cast and talked about before it even came out and I was like oh Matthew McConaughey like yeah. how how good could this show be but he proved me wrong throughout the entire it's length the, of the it's show it's the like, role of his career oh Russ, it has to Russ be Cole is like I mean maybe I'll do something in the future but yeah I mean he, he delved deep into that role you could tell yeah yeah that and Dallas Buyers Club, which I think came out oh, the same right, year. Oh, right, yeah. Which came out the same year. He that did like, have, all right, he's done some other <laughs> That was like the year of McConaughey. I think yeah. True Detective and Dallas Buyers Club came out in the same year. I mean, and even Woody Harrelson to some degree. I mean, I can't remember really what where his career was at in like 2014 or 2013, but I think he was just like, people were like, oh yeah, he's still around and like, he's great in this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Good casting, but. Yeah, whenever Woody Harrelson pops up in something, I get excited because he's just like, <laughs> He's got that subtle, like, good actor, but, like, people are like, man, is he really this good? But, yeah, he's good and stuff. Like, one of my formative uh, film cinematic experience is watching Natural Born Killers in the movie theater when it came out with my parents. Like, (laughs) sitting in between both of my parents, I'm, you know, probably 13 or 14, and watching Woody Harrelson play that role, which... You know, Natural Born Killers is an intense movie, and I just remember being like, this guy, like, just being... Not really even understanding, like, at that age, what the performance was all about, but, like, just being very moved by it. Like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. Your parents are probably like, <laughs> Oh, my God. We should not be here with her for this. Well, that, I actually, the re- it comes up sometime, or it came up, something like in film school, we had to write about, like, a formative experience, and my parents were we're driving home and the whole time they're arguing in the front seat saying oh we should have left we should have walked out we should have left we should have walked out again natural born killer is very harsh movie filled with lots of like murder and like rape and like intense like drug psychotic imagery like you know but they didn't walk out like we sat there and watched the whole thing and i was like this whole time they were like you know quote unquote offended or like shocked but they wanted to see the rest of the story and i was like that's what i want to make like i want to make stuff that like people are like oh but I want to know how it ends. <laughs> you can make, almost say it was a formative moment in your creative it mind. It was. Woody Harrelson <laughs> was a part of it. Now that I think about it, I never Thanks, put that Thanks, Woody. Together. Thanks, Woody. <laughs> uh, so that kind of just brings us in a roundabout way to talk about what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Um, your newest project that you're doing, like I like I mentioned, you're a content creator. 
uh, media production, digital things, and all that. You do it. <laughs> Those are all the right buzzwords. All the to right use. buzzwords. Um, <laughs> I mean, you do it professionally and as a hobby as well. Yeah. And so you've got this new project going where you've now produced and created a music video with a band called Press A from Chicago, and it's. Heavily inspired by what we just talked about, True Detective Season 1. Do you it's completely wanna... based on Season okay, 1 of True yeah, Detective. Yeah. The, the song that the band wrote, Colin Gaynor from Press A, it's called Carcosa Shore, which if you remember, Carcosa is where the Yellow King lives. That's his the den Yellow and King. his lair and sort of this, like, for that dramatic end final scene of True Detective Season 1 ends in Carcosa. The song's called Carcosa Shore. It's 100% about True Detective Season 1. And yeah, so yeah, it's it's heavily, uh, we hopefully not take a lot of nods, and it's a, a loving homage to this show. Yeah, awesome. I've seen it. It's a great video, and we're going to talk all about it, but you made this video with your, um, a group of people you work with, a collective that you have formed called Cluster Cuss Entertainment, right? Yes. So um, when the band was talking about putting together like a full-length album, you know, I kind of jokingly said, all right, well, whenever you're ready to do a music video, like, let me know and I'll make it as just sort of a fun, like, passion project thing. Um, this was in the middle of COVID <laughs> had just started. Or actually, we were kind of into COVID at that point. We we're sort of getting used to COVID when we started the pre-production process. And uh, we we're just kind of all looking at something to get our, t- you know, sink our teeth into to not go nuts, to just, like... <laughs> create and sort of stay connected and stay creative and keep our skills up and you know and I don't know if you remember as co- like beginning 2020 started creeping into the summer months where we're realizing like hey this isn't going away yeah we had to sort of um yeah band together and come up with something to make so when the band said they were ready to do the video and then I heard the song Carcosa Shore which I'm assuming people watch the video at this point. It's out. It is out. You can watch it now. You can pause this and go and watch it at Cluster Cuss TV and then come back. Um, <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> nice plug. But um, yeah, so when they were ready to do to put the music video together and I heard the song, right away I was like, oh, this is not going to be like a traditional music video. This mm-hmm. is going to be something a little bit bigger. And it was like, how hard do we lean into the true detective stuff? And after talking to the band and sort of their ideas, it was like, oh, we lean into it hard. So we actually, you know, Jim Gaynor from, it's four um, family members that are in this band. Jim Gaynor, Matt Gaynor, Eric Gaynor, and Colin Gaynor. So we cast Jimmy as Matthew McConaughey's character, Russ Cole. We cast Matt Gaynor as Woody Harrelson's character, Marty. Yes. And then we have Colin Gaynor playing the traveling preacher, if you remember, like, a reoccurring role oh, yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, and then we cast Eric Gaynor as sort of our interpretation of the Yellow King. You know, it was really hard to try to take an eight-hour series and pare it down into, like, a four-minute music video. Sure. There was just, we couldn't show everything. And, you know, due to obvious limitations of COVID and, you know, places where we could be or not be and indoors, outdoors, be close to each other or not. We sort of had to be creative with how we shot it. So Eric's character is actually like a, a interpretation of the Yellow King character from, from True Detective. So it's our, it's sort of Russ like apparition of him as he's um, solving the case. So a little artistic license there. No, yeah, I definitely could tell you guys um had some interpretations of what you saw and (laughs) i mean you kind of have to do that in a like you said you're you're making a music video that's 
under five minutes and you you got to take liberties but also you know still pay homage to the to the source material and i think you really did a good job of that yeah we had four band members so and uh you know we kind of had to decide what story we were going to tell with those four band members so yeah and so then when we were ready to sort of start moving in the pre-production stage that's when we got cluster cuss involved and cluster cuss is a creative collective that i'm a part of um there are four of us Nate Mongero, Kim Saltin, and uh, James Medley. We've been working together for several years, putting out, I don't know, I'd say about a dozen pieces of content now together as a group. Um, yeah. Probably more. And they were, like, more than happy to help me and jump on board. And so, um, yeah, everybody there has a producer credit on this, for sure. Awesome. And then we added one final missing piece, which was cinematographer Matt Burling, um, who Matt had, like, a really long expansive, amazing editing career in LA for like 20 years. And he recently moved back to the Chicagoland area and was just like, oh, let me know when you're doing something. You know, he had seen a short that we had produced in January that came out January of last year called Boat Patrol. And he's like, hey, let me know when you're ready to do your next thing. And um, yeah, we were all like dying to work with him. He's got like lots of cool tricks up his sleeve and brought a lot to this video. I mean, we couldn't have done it without him. Yeah, I mean, I was just wondering then, I mean, this is a Press A music video, and you've talked a little bit about them, but I'm just curious how you kind of got involved with this band. Like, what drew you to this project? How were you connected <laughs> with them? And and just kind of give that story a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, um, like I mentioned, it's uh, Eric, Jim, Matt, and Colin Gaynor. Three brothers, one cousin, and I've known... I mean, Jimmy and I met in high school, and we're friends in high school. He's the oldest Gaynor, and then through him, I met the rest of his three brothers. I mean, and we've been making stuff since then. Like, we put out our first short film... I think it was like 30 minutes, 8 millimeter video we shot it. Um, it was called Hellbent on the Worst Kind of Infamy. We wrote it, uh, and I shot and directed it together. Um, yeah, he was 14 and I was 17. And we actually cast Eric Gaynor, who was 9 at the time, as like a young Jimmy. <laughs> so I've been literally we're going like, back. We're going yeah, back we're going back. Time. I mean, 20 plus years of, yeah. Let's not age ourselves. Let's not, not age ourselves. But, but I've been making stuff with these guys for a long time. And so, I mean, like, long family friends. And they've always played in bands. You know, they're d both Colin's dad and their dad played in bands growing up. And so they've literally been playing together for as long as they can remember. Like, every family party, pick up a guitar. And they have that sort of, like, effortless synergy that comes with working with siblings that have known each other for a long time. You know, they have that little twin chatter and like i've known them for so long i mean i consider them all like my brothers at this sure. point you know what i mean they call me sis like it's that it's that uh deep of a connection so yeah i've known these guys for a really long time and so when they were ready to do something i said let's do it and jimmy and i collaborated on boat patrol i mean that that was something that we wrote together he starred in i think it's great i think he's really funny in it you can watch it too at cluster cuss tv second plug there you go i'm gonna try to get in i don't know <laughs> four is that a good amount yeah yeah we'll get <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to four i'm sure by the you end. watch both there but like so we've just um we collab jimmy and i collaborate very well on like all kinds of random stuff he was um, a member of the long-running sketch troupe Big Dog Eat Child for years and wrote so many amazing, funny sketches like the Jones Barbecue and Foot Massage uh, sure. series. Yeah. All of those. Like, that's his brilliant mind. So, like, yeah, anything he's ready to do, I, I'm 
game. And vice versa, he's told me. So <laughs> Steph Curry helped introduce that to the masses. and they It's went, gone viral, it viral several times. Yeah. That whole series. And they also did, which is has been actually like... Copied, let's say, uh, inspired by how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Twenty Tur- Something Ninja Turtles. Oh, okay. really funny. But yeah, that was that was them too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he has a long career of like all kinds of music. Like I said, he creates his own content, creative stuff. So we have a good little hive mind going. Nice. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like they brought you in to do this because they, you know, knew what you were capable of. They didn't have a choice. Who were they going to (laughs) use? Okay. (laughs) We'll go with that. I'm free. That was the other thing. This is like a no-budget situation. There was, like, everyone just... Oh, yeah. It was 100% my own money. Free labor. Thank you to everyone who helped. You know, borrow gear. Yeah. Uh, we, Total we DIY made, situation oh, here. 100%. We fabricated a lot of props and costumes. Oh, my God. Kim is so great at that. Um, Edley was great at dressing this. Like, it was a... Clustercus supported me a ton in doing this. And there was so many things that it was just, like, a perfect... Like, everyone had a great idea. Everyone contributed to the stuff that was on set or had great ideas of just, like, contributing to the visual look of it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. That kind of brings me to my next thing that we... Kind of having a bird's eye view here myself because we live in the same house. (laughs) I've seen all the work you've put into this over time. It's been, I don't know, at least six to ten months of, of work you've been doing on this. Maybe even longer, like the whole <laughs> planning stage and idea stage. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to talk about the what it took for you to plan this all out and everything that went into the production and the scouting and the shooting. Like, what was that process like? Oh my goodness, yes. We knew we wanted to basically tell the story as much as we could, the story of True Detective. Um, and then you start going down the list of, you know, as a producer, what's possible, Right. So we only have Colin for one day because Colin lives in Colorado. So we have him for a few hours. What can we do with him? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, uh, as you well know, we shot him in our garage and across the street at our neighbor's house because, again, that's what was available to us. He's got time. a bar in his basement. And it, it looked was, awesome. Yeah, it looked really good. Um, you know, and again, we were trying to be really safe uh, always. So once we knew basically the date that we had Colin, that's when it set everything else in motion, right? So we had to start... Sourcing props, we had to start sourcing um, costumes, we had to s- try to decide sort of the scope of Colin's role so we could get what we needed. And, you know, the guys were pretty adamant about not having any sort of performance in the video. I think that's something that's a little bit different than traditional music videos. You, know, you don't see them picking up an instrument. It's all narrative. Yeah. Um, so we, that's sort of snowballed, right? It's like what we're able to get with Colin sort of snowballed into the rest of the video. So, so yeah, it was... The next two months of scouting locations in the woods, which was really fun, um, and making devil's nests, which you see that I was calling, um, the, the devil's nests are those, like, For those who've seen True Detective. Yeah, are those, like, I was calling them stick teepees for a while. That's what they look like. They do look like stick teepees, but in the show... It's like a underground pedophile ring marker. So then I was calling Yikes. them. I was calling them that for a while, which I asked my parents to help, and they did not like that name for them. They're like, "Can we call them something else, please?" <laughs> yeah. so the Devil's Nest is actually the real name. But like, we started making those and just like building this little world out as much as we could. Matt was actually able. Matt Berling was actually able to secure um, a really cool like warehouse location in Alsip. 
um, very centrally located for all mm-hmm. of us. <laughs> um, that we a were suburb able- of Chicago for those who aren't. Yeah, yeah. From- <laughs> we were able, and that's where we're all from. Like, Elsa. Yeah. Worth Crestwood. That's where our crew's from. Yeah. Like 99% of us. So he found this amazing, like, blank warehouse space that we were able to build out all the indoor sets. So when you see, um, Russ's interview and Marty's interview, um, that is the same, the same little warehouse in Elsip. And even the, um, the, what we call the storage unit set, mm-hmm. which is, if you remember in the show, uh, some time passes and Rust is no longer a cop and he's sort of delved deep into the Yellow King pathos and he has that like rented storage shelter yeah. that he's he's out. So we actually couldn't go to a storage shelter because they were closed because of COVID. Like we couldn't get one. I was like, how hard could it be to just mm-hmm. rent one and use it for the day? Nope. So we had to like build our own storage shelter thing. I think it turned out pretty cool. No, yeah, it did. Um, and those were some of the coolest scenes from that show when... Uh, he was giving his interviews with like the the beer cans and everything, and I feel like you guys, when you, you know, went to recreate those scenes, they're they're pretty damn good. Like a nice nice tribute to a lot of those scenes, like some of the strongest stuff in there. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, we tried to get that. I mean, I think it looks pretty close, and just some of the details, like. All the performance aspects, again, it being a music video, you're never going to hear dialogue. So how do you convey those points in the interview where he's, you know, that it's escalating with him making, like, the beer can men? Yeah. Which, if you notice, here's my little, like, hey, we can't make it look like rural Louisiana. We have to lean into the fact that it's Chicago. So instead of Lone Star beer, he uses, like, anti-hero beer from Revolution, which is a Chicago brewery. Shout out Revolution We did little kitschy things like that. Yeah. I, yeah. could, I could tell that was like a conscious choice, and it was it was a cool little touch there. Yeah. Well, it turns like, out you can't get Lone Star cans here in yeah. Illinois, so it wasn't a super conscious choice, but I, I thought it was a fun swap. Yeah, absolutely. You started talking a little bit about like the locations, like what went into the the scouting, where you were going to shoot it. Like a lot of these drone shots were really cool. I know you uh, filmed a lot in the woods uh, out here by our house, and how much work went into all that. Yeah, I was spending a lot of time in the woods in general. Uh, just, again, post-lockdown, COVID, like, no one could go anywhere. The gym was closed. So I would go out into the woods every day by our house. We lived next to, you know, a really... A lot of forest preserve. Yeah, huge forest preserve system. You know, shout out to Region 6, forest system. But Cluster Cuffs was shooting. We had shot several other pieces in those same woods. Mm -hmm. And we're just basically using them as, like, headquarters for a while. We would have meetings there and build props there and, like, fabricate and just, like, get out of our house for... You remember what it was like when yeah. no one could ever leave. The worst year ever. Yeah, so we were using those woods, and there were a couple things that I'm like, oh, we could we could shoot some, some true detective stuff here. We, sure. I, just kept, I just kept finding cool stuff. Like, there's a shot where um, Marty's character reaches down. It's like a big tree stump that had fallen over, and he finds a little devil's nest. I mean, I walk past that tree every day on my little hike, so it was like... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna use it. Yeah, yeah. We have some beautiful land out here, my friends. And yeah. the, the drone shots over the Cal Sag, I mean, anyone who grows up in that area of the Cal Sag knows, like, the beauty slash horror that is the Cal Sag, like... Cal Sag River. It's, it's, it's like... You, Landmark. You love to hate it. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> they, it's, it stinks. 
But it's gorgeous. <laughs> there might be some bodies in there no one knows about. And yeah. just some sludge. Just a sludge. But I think it's like a rite of passage. I mean, there's like cool bike trails. When we were kids, it was like, there's bike trails out there. And then you go and like smoke your first cigarette. Sure. Or like, when you were learn- learning to drive, like you drive down Southwest Highway. Because it was like a cool <laughs> road that you can kind of like go fast. But it's And it's also where like Alsip, Crestwood, and Worth all meet. Like literally that shot, that opening shot that it's the car driving over with the drone is like... The bridge from Worth, I think it's like Worth to Payless or something yeah, yeah. like that. It's like, that's where we're all from, that's where we're all met. It's like an homage, a throwback. Yeah, it's like a tribute to the show, but also like a tribute to your hometown, like where you all kind of grew up and I don't know. It, yeah. It's kind of like a where those two worlds meet together. Well, and part, part of the reason like why that was kind of, one is logistic because, you know, again, it's not going to look like... Chicago in the winter is not going to look like, again, rural Louisiana in the summer, so we knew we couldn't do that. But also, it was like, the whole record, the record that's coming out on September 24th, the full-length Press A record, Plug 3. Nice. uh, (laughs) Is a very personal album for Jimmy. Like, it's the song, he wrote those songs over the course of seven years, and... You know, I think when he first told me seven years, I I wasn't really thinking about it. And then, you, you know, seven years is supposed to be like your whole bo- your whole body recharges, right? Or like all your cells regrow. You're like a, supposed to be a totally new person technically every seven years. And developmentally, you know, seven years is huge, I think. Sure. And um, so the record is like so personal and it's about, and the show, True Detective, I mean, I think we were kind of talking about the first time you watch it, you're kind of worried about the crime and like who's committing what and you're worried about the facts and kind of keeping track of those deals, details. But the like second and third and sometimes fourth times I watch certain scenes, I realize how much it's about spiritual death and like mm-hmm. personal apocalypse and like these Rust and Marty, like, what they go through in their personal lives as this case is sort of, like, unraveling and devolving into something they didn't think. And it's like, uh, you know, sometimes your life doesn't turn out how you think it's going to or the roles that you think you're meant to play, you end up not playing those roles later on in life. And, like, how do you deal with that? You know, like, Rust talks about his daughter and he doesn't have a daughter anymore. He's not a dad anymore. Like, he used to be a married man. He's not a, He's not married anymore. Now what? Like, he used to be a cop. He's not a cop anymore. Now yeah. what? Like, that's like your adult life over and over again. Oh, yeah. That's we, what they- we can all, we can all like, relate to something, something like that. The older you get, the more relatable stuff like that totally gets. Yeah. I hear you. So, revisiting, like, those areas that we used to hang out in and teenagers back as adults making this thing... Again, like, about this record and about this show, like, it was, it had a lot of, like, layers to it, I think. And there, it was personal, like, every single person involved, like I said, either made a prop or, like, brought in a piece of wardrobe or, like, moved a light or found some kind of, you know, like I said, found a great location and contributed to it and sort of, like, um, showed their own growth. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool. I just thought of this question. Does everyone who worked on this video, have they all seen the show already? Or did anybody that was working on it like, I've never seen True Detective. Like, I gotta watch it real quick before we can start working. Um, I'm trying to, you know what? I don't want to call her out on it, but I think Kim, Kim's seen it now for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. For research purposes. No, Kim saw, Kim has seen it since, but she hadn't yet. And it was funny because 
the whole time. I mean, and she just showed up like a boss, like, yeah, whatever you need. And I'm like, and we would be talking, you know, like, oh, you know, like the show or like the show. And she's like, I don't know. Like, she just, she was along for the ride. And then she watched it later and I saw her, um, like, you know, a couple weeks afterwards. And she's like, I get it now. (laughs) Like, I get all the references. Oh, my God. But it's just funny because she was such a huge part of the process and hadn't seen the show at all and was just like in it for the ride and was we were all just sort of leading each other down that path but i mean the set design on the stuff i gave them photos i gave just kim and medley like photos of the two office scenes and then matt and matt and i went in another you know part of the warehouse to shoot the things we needed to shoot and i came back and those sets were like done it was incredible yeah I mean, I brought it up kind of because that's the reason why Chris, our other co-host, who usually, uh, I mean, you've those who've listened to the show before, <laughs> it's me and Chris every episode, but uh, he's not in on this one because he's never seen True Detective. Oh, Chris, one. you gotta watch it. I don't. I still don't know why. Guys, it's one of the greatest shows of all write time. Write in, tweet at him, Chris <laughs> to watch the show. Tweet at him and tell him he's effing up because he hasn't watched it. Uh, we haven't really given out spoilers here, so we're not going to ruin the show for them or anything. But uh, yeah, I just, we haven't really given any spoilers. That's a good call. No, it's a great show, and I don't <laughs> want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it because uh, do yourself a favor and go watch it. Yeah, and so like I said previously, I've, I've seen this music video now a couple times, and uh, I got to say it's really good. <laughs> I, I, I think everybody should watch it. Fans of you know. True Detective or just fans of rock music in general, I think everyone would really find something about it they can enjoy. And I really got to commend you guys for, you know, watching True Detective. It's an HBO, you know, flagship show. Uh, You can tell a ton of money went into that. HBO (laughs) put a lot into that show. And, you know, they cast two huge Hollywood names to really be successful. So, um, and you guys making this video... And doing what you did as a tribute to it, and you you captured a lot of the same essence of the show, but you basically did it just you know like I I've, I've already said DIY and um, you know basically no budget no but, budget but Dad. you were able you were able to <laughs> to recapture a lot of the same feelings and a lot of the same you know visuals similar visuals so I really commend you guys for that I think it's really a, a good accomplishment in that way thanks Donald okay <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, six people, basically, with a lot of time on their hands can do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Guys, follow your dreams. Follow, you, yeah. You can do anything. So, I mean, we're kind of wrapping up here, but <laughs> you should tell people where they can go to find this. It's out now, uh, able to be watched, able to be listened to. So it's let available people know. now. Yeah, let people know where they can find the video and find Press A and Cluster Cuss and all that. Yeah, so... Uh, you can find any and everything Cluster Cuss on our website. That is canon. It's clustercuss.tv. Pretty easy. Clustercuss.tv. We also have a YouTube. We have a Twitch channel that we're experimenting, doing some content with. A Facebook, a Twitter, Instagram. You can follow us all there. But really, the website's canon. I think, I hate saying it, but you have to say it these days. Like, subscribe and share. I know yeah. it's like, you have to... I think sharing, to me, is like, just if you like it and you thought it was semi-cool and you think someone else would like it to share. Because, you know, my ultimate goal is for Woody Harrelson to watch it and invite us to his weed farm. I'll go there. Yeah. I don't even smoke weed, and I'll go. We will all go. go. And also, you know, Press A has an Instagram, a Twitter, a Bandcamp, a YouTube. 
the album's out September 24th, the full-length record. It's um, it's a free download. It's got a lot of other nerdy references on it. Like, Carcosa Shore is not the only nerdy reference on this record. There's yeah. Final Fantasy. There's Mr. Show. There's um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There's, like, I like Goonies references. Like, there's literally just strewn with nerd references. Press okay. A, like, the name Press A is a reference to Nintendo. It's like, Press A, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get it moving. Press A, press A. You know when you're playing with your friend who's slower than you are at Nintendo? Yeah. Press A, man. Press A, press A, press A. Exactly. I mean, you sold me on Goonies references. That's all I needed to hear, so... Skeletons keep gold, and we don't ask why. Is that a, is that a line from Goonies? That's a line from Press A. No, the Goonies, that's the whole thing. They're finding tr- the treasure. Oh, right. But they're skeletons. They're skeleton pirates, Donald. What do they need gold for? It's a great question. <laughs> That's the question that Jim Gaynor asked on this record. Questions that no one would you know, needs to <laughs> That's, answer. But... It's the heart of heart of the album. There, it is. That's anyway. Yeah, awesome. check it out. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming on and talking about this. I'm glad we could talk about it. Um, the geeks out there listening, we just ran through it. This is why you want to listen. True Detective. Geek stuff, awesome <laughs> rock music, a cool music video. Where can you go wrong? <laughs> so, Melanie, thank you for joining me this evening. Oh, no problem. In our humble abode, talking <laughs> about uh, your project and awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Don. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Raise a Geek podcast. As always, we can be found on Twitter at Raise a Geek. Uh, we have an email address at raisedageek at gmail.com, I believe. I hope I didn't get that wrong. Uh, the podcast can be found on any of your podcast services. So if you have any questions, comments, if you want to have a conversation about this, uh, the, if you watch the music video and you want to talk about it, you can reach us out, uh, anywhere out there. Um, that's going to wrap us up for now. So until next time, I am done. And thank you for listening to the Raise the Geek Podcast, where we all speak geek.